Welcome everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. We welcome you all the time and we really hope that you could always get engaged with us either by recommending guests for us, just liking, subscribing, or definitely um, sharing, sharing every episode, okay? And in your own beautiful world, I'm sure you, you could do a lot of things to help make some changes in this world. So today we welcome James Roguski, who's is a researcher, author, natural health proponent, and an activist. And he believes that the old systems are rightfully crumbling, so we must build their replacements quickly. So in March 2022, James uncovered documents regarding proposed amendments to the international health regulations and was instrumental in raising awareness about them, which resulted in the amendments being rejected. So James is now doing everything possible to expose the WHO, the World Health Organization, hidden agenda behind their proposed pandemic treaty, as well as the WHO's ongoing attempts to amend the international health regulations. James' vision for the future can be summarized by the phrase, out of the WHO and in with the new. So welcome, James. And I am very happy that Dr. Carl Moore, who is also a podcaster and an author of The Nature's Twist, can help me really make this uh, episode powerful and meaningful for everyone's time because its moment is very precious. So welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I look forward to an in-depth conversation and um, you know, thank you for allowing me to share all this information with your audience. And um, let's begin right now with James' information that I place on the ticker and I will place it also in the post notes because I know he's makes himself available so that you could ask him questions directly or any conversation that is helpful for you. See, none of us, none of us really alone in this journey. We are all connected no matter where we are and no matter what time of the day. Okay, so it's right there. And um, you know, I realize that at this I realize that the details yeah. in this are overwhelming and they're changing all of the time. And so, you know, I welcome people who have questions. You know, I don't necessarily know everything, but uh, I, I think I've dug into this enough that, you know, the vast majority of people's questions, I think I can help clarify them. And I've learned that when you try to do that with a text message or an email, oh, it's almost impossible. You need the conversation to get to the point where you realize that the communication has actually happened and, and people go, oh, yes, now I, now I get it. And, and so I welcome that. Thank you, James. And uh, yes, and even for myself, I made sure that I updated a lot of my information or contacts. So I will put it there and on my website, uh, graceasagra.com or quantumnurse.life so that, you know, um, doing the episode is not just like words going out in the air and not getting you know, encrypted or 
uh, embodied in the to the viewers or audience, whatever resonates to you. We're not imposing any of our ideas or any our conversation, but we just want you to be informed. Because in in the information, then we gain knowledge and we gain also our wisdom. So today, um, we were going to unpack so many things about World Health Organization. Because again, it kind of can be so boring, but sometimes that, but that's, I think that um, that feeling of being bored is what makes those powers who would, who continue to control us gain more power to control us because we get bored in knowing things, but it is important with we really read and in the words, they've been playing with words for us, right? So I, I remember that in, you know, they always play with the word safe and effective, access, response, spread, risk, public commitment. There are so many words, equitable, future, development, emergency, effective, and pandemic, and it's for the public. So these words does something to our heart. And if we don't connect our heart to our brain and to our entire being, then we're lost. We're all about, okay, about here and nothing here. Or if we're all about here and nothing here, no. So this conversation would like us to integrate everything that we need to know and all of our humanity. So I wanted to ask um, James that maybe, yeah, yeah, unpacked this for us. And why is it important for us to learn about what's going on with the whole what what's happening now with the negotiation? Because in New Jersey, because that's where I am right now, there we we there was a link that we were really doing um uh, doing uh, documents we were signing or sending that we didn't want those things happening, but it, it's still happening and we didn't really know. And, and somewhere down the line, the conversation just kind of watered down. And is it all about the transfer of wealth? because we know it's not about health. We know that, okay? And I'm a little ashamed that before the pandemic, I was wishing I could work for who? I, I did have that little desire. I looked into the website and that was way before the pandemic. So, but I'm so glad that when it doesn't happen, because I, <laughs> I, there was something that stopped me from applying and I'm glad I didn't. So please, lead us in this conversation well you know let me um uh just say this about the boring nature of what's going on here um this is such a soap opera it's it's actually anything but boring and i don't watch television i don't have a television and, and i haven't been connected to cable or anything like that for decades but you know in the past i have watched television shows and what this is really like is if there had been a show on television for a couple of years and you just started watching it, right? There's this cast of characters. They each have their own motivation. They each have their own drive. You know, they're all good and bad. You know, it, it's, it's not just everyone at the WHO is evil and they're trying to take over the world. It's way more complicated than that. And if you view this from that perspective, you'll see that, yeah, there's periods of time that are boring and they're talking about stuff. But then you ask yourself, why are they saying that? Why are they using that language? Well, they have their own English language and they use phrases 
that when a, a new person starts to listen and and watch the show, you know, when you start to read the documents, you start to watch their video presentations and all that sort of stuff, you, you hear what they're saying, but it's your dialect of English. And you don't realize that they're speaking a totally different language. And so you raised, you know, the meaning of words. It's very, very important. They have so many phrases where they've taken common English words. And when they use those words, they don't mean what you interpret them to mean. And the best example I have of it is I have a very unusual tree in my front yard. Um, a bougainvillea bush grew up into the tree. And so I have this vibrantly fuchsia large tree in my front yard. Well, you can't, you can't even begin to picture what it looks like in your mind. But if I say the word tree, you're going to think about whatever tree might be in your yard or your neighbor's yard or down the street or, or you know, a tree that you um, played in when you were a child. When they speak, you have to interpret their English into your English. And that doesn't come easy. Okay. And, and so um, the starting point is to realize that when they say words like, or when people say words like treaty, that engenders a certain thought in your mind. Well, they don't call it a treaty. It's a convention or agreement or other international instrument. And you go, well, does that matter? And so it really does matter because a convention, in my personal opinion, has been used and is intended to be used for evil because it's an agreement that puts a group of people in charge of working out the details later. And the best example of that is the Framework Convention for Climate Change which the United Nations adopted back in 1992. If you wonder why all of these crazy things are being done by local governments, you know, city, county, state, you know, and so forth, and, and nations all around the world, it's because in 1992, the nations patted themselves on the back and they said, oh, we've reached an agreement, you know, this framework convention for climate change, and that's going to save the world from, you know, whatever boogeyman they were making everybody be afraid of. And so they set up a conference of the parties. And the next one is going to be meeting at the end of November, beginning of December. And they make decisions, they set protocols, and we're obligated to do what they say, even though we don't have any say over what they decide. And that's what they're trying to do with the convention agreement for pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. And, and so if you want to put a, a conference of the parties in place to make decisions with tens of billions of dollars to build out the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex going off into the future forever, then maybe you support what they're doing. But if you realize that they don't call it a treaty, it's a convention. And now they've changed it. They're calling it an agreement, right? But what they're, what they're seeking is to confuse everybody, to get them to sign a blank check, basically. Agree to put somebody else in charge to work out all of the details off into the future. In my view, 
That's insane. No, the answer is no. So James, if I can ask, um, I, I know very little about this other than that the World Health Organization has got agreement or is in negotiations with 193 countries that when they declare a pandemic, all these countries have to do what the World Health Organization says, despite what their governments may. Well, uh, let me actually let me actually push back. Please do, yeah. Okay? Because that is what many people have been saying. Okay, and this is this is going to be hard to parse out because there are multiple different documents, and there are documents that were rejected last year uh, in 2022 there are documents that were adopted last year in 2022 there were a large collection of proposed amendments that were first submitted in september of 2022 and more than a year ago and those are currently still being negotiated potentially to be adopted next year and then there's this convention which is yet another document there's documents that the United Nations pretended to adopt in September. And so what has been happening across the board is all of the information from all of these different documents gets lumped into one. And so people say, oh, the treaty does this or the treaty does that. Well, number one, there is no damn treaty, okay? Um, it's not a treaty because a treaty implies you put words on paper, you agree to it, and you're done with it, right? But a convention goes on and on and on forever. And, and so uh, if I could give you the visual of um, pretending you were in a, a lecture class in, in high school or college, and there's a, a chalkboard you know, in front or a whiteboard or whatever, and, and just take everything you think you know and erase it, okay? Because the misinformation and the confusion between you know, there have been at least five versions of the convention. There's all of these multiple documents with amendments. And, and really, I think it's helpful to start um, from square one. And, and so what is it that they're actually doing? What is it that their purpose is? Well, you actually have to go back to the end of 2021. And at the end, a couple of last days of November and the first day of December in 2021, the nations had called for a uh, second session of the World Health Assembly. So the World Health Assembly, it's actually in, in the WHO, there's 194 member nations. In the UN, there's 193. And they're not, you know, there's a couple that are, you know, different. And there are also two um, states, uh, the Vatican and Liechtenstein, who are also party to the international health regulations. So there's actually 196, okay? And then they have 400, what they call relevant stakeholders, um, groups like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and so forth, who you know get to have a seat at the table with many of these negotiations. And, and the people are nowhere to be found. You know, there has not been with the WHO the required public comment period that was decided upon. And so going back to this session 
of the World Health Assembly at the end of 2021, the 194 nations got together and they said, well, the way the vaccines were rolled out in 2021 was inequitable. And by that, what they're talking about is the wealthy nations bought up contracts for 10 times what they needed and the relatively poor nations didn't feel like they got their fair share of, you know, with hindsight, were harmful in injectable products. And, and so if you can put your mind back to the end of 2021, there was still in most circles this belief that the jabs were going to stop infection and stop transmission. And if everybody just got jabbed, would all be better? Well, now, almost two years later, you know, we look back on that and we go, boy, you're lucky. You're lucky that you didn't get all of the many jabs that you felt you deserved. But they have not awakened to the reality that the injections were really biological weapons. And they should be thankful that the greedy, wealthy nations bought up 10 times what they needed. But they haven't come to that awareness. So these entire negotiations are based on a false premise that is not about health, clearly. It's a trade dispute. It really should be being negotiated by the World Trade Organization because what they're arguing about is equity and the equitable distribution of what they call pandemic response products or medical countermeasures, which is really, a, it's a biological weapons term. And so what they're arguing about is setting up a global logistics network to distribute these poisonous jabs in the future. They're not questioning, well, wait a minute, those things didn't work. They caused harm. They don't fit the description of a vaccine. They're actually biological weapons that are genetic therapies that are contaminated and are causing harm around the world. They're completely ignoring that. What they're trying to do is divert $30 billion a year and set up a centralized command and control structure where the latest version, um, 20% of all of the production would be given to the WHO and the WHO would then distribute these biological weapons to the nations who you know, maybe are not able to afford them or manufacture them. Now, if you just step back and you look at what they're actually doing, they're arguing about intellectual property, they're arguing about what they call a pathogen access and benefit sharing system. And they're arguing about a logistics network to have centralized command and control with the WHO to say, well, you know, you get a jab and you get a jab and you get a jab um, because they feel it wasn't distributed evenly. Well, they're correct. It was not distributed evenly and they should count their lucky stars but they're still of the mindset that these drugs and jabs and protocols that were set by the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex are things that they want. And until they wake up to the fact 
that it's the pharmaceutical industry that's causing the problem, um, we're going to be having a lot of people be very confused with these negotiations because um, the goal is to have equitable distribution of products that should be wiped off the face of the planet. But they think of them as global public goods. Right. It's, it's, it's amazingly insane, but that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like backwards. They're trying to get something in and distribute it. But the problem is that they believe it's good. Right. It's a good thing, and it's not. So I, I suppose what I'm most concerned about would be if there's anything binding uh, in the direction of, uh, you know, being mandatory to take these uh, uh, drugs or whatever. Is there anything on the this horizon? Is, okay. so this, this is where, again, because there are so many multiple different documents and some of the documents are currently in a state of flux, they're being renegotiated. Um, since you titled this um, get together and, and we're talking about this, what everyone calls a treaty, but it's really a convention. This is where the soap opera comes in, okay? Because the documents are meant to be legally binding, but they put this caveat in there that said, well, they want to have legally binding documents that have both legally binding aspects and other aspects that are recommendations. Now, to address your core question head on and answer what I think you're, you're asking me, back in September of 2022, when all of the nations put forth proposed amendments to the international health regulations, there were details in there that pointed towards changing the nature of the WHO and the international health regulations, changing the, the recommendation or advisory nature of that document and the WHO's recommendations within that document and making them mandatory. And so the language that is in the original um, submissions for the um, 307 different amendments that are currently being rewritten, right? Um, those things raise the specter that the WHO, if they made recommendations, all the nations would you know, be obligated um, by a legally binding agreement to do whatever the WHO said. Well, it's been my personal opinion since February of 2023, that that is most likely to be kicked to the curb. Even the International Health Regulations Review Committee in February, when they published their final report, they said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That would change the whole nature of the relationship between the WHO and the member nations. There's supposed to be an advisory board. But what the review committee said that I don't think anybody has ever talked about is that they realize that would place the liability on the WHO. And I don't think they want that. Those recommendations came from Bangladesh changing or, or proposing to change a definition of um, standing or temporary recommendations and Malaysia 
changing Article 42, which would make recommendations something that nations shall implement. So the combination of those two and many other statements, you know, throughout, um, they they very clearly, meaning the WHO's um, International Health Regulations Review Committee, said, hold on, um, the nations want to give that authority to the WHO. I don't necessarily think the WHO wants it because it would put a bullseye on their back. They would prefer to just make recommendations and then they could blame all of the various nations and give them the responsibility for doing whatever they do legally. Now, one of the other amendments that nobody talks about, and again, please realize we're, we're, we changed. We were talking about one document. We were talking about the convention, but now I'm talking about amendments that are currently being rewritten. And maybe we'll get to see the rewrite um, at their next meeting on December 7 and 8, okay? And, and so, I don't, I will be surprised if those, you know, types of things are in the rewritten version. What I'm concerned about is that people are so focused on that, that when they rewrite it and they do a wonderful job of propagandizing the things that they really want, people are going to look at it as a false victory. They're going to go, oh, they, they did away with you know, the loss of our human, you know, dignity, fundamental freedoms and rights, and, and their recommendations are still going to be recommendations, but there's going to be, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of things that are going to be so relatively boring that when this new version comes out, people are going to go, yay, we win. But no, they're getting what they want because they're busy building all of these many boring things, which are essentially investment in building out the industry that has been making toxic jabs and injecting them in people under the guise of health. And, and so it's a subtle game that they're playing. And the confusion between all these different documents and the focus on certain aspects of it, I think have been functioning as decoys. And we need to pay attention to the entire document, which primarily, um, it's just investing in the infrastructure to do genomic testing and, and looking for pathogens with pandemic potential so that the industry that makes money from the next pandemic can continue to profiteer on everyone else's fear. So, so it seems uh, that you mentioned the word decoy. So I was starting to think, well, what, what is the who trying to do, and I know it's a huge body and you get people doing great research and work in there. And then you get other levels where they might even appear to contradict their scientific findings. Um, but think, that happens That happens in big uh, organizations anyway. I think Grace had a question also. I'm sorry. No, I, since, no, since Carl mentioned that, in addition, I wanna add to Carl's comment that We've, we feel really that we have uh, relinquished already the responsibility to the higher ups, okay? So like when I say, you know, because we have our government, so we're not even there. So what would an ordinary and average person can do, you know? Well, um, the answer to what the ordinary average person can do is to realize and, and this is one of the things I was going to say, so I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to that. 
One of the proposed amendments, if it were to be adopted, actually came from Russia. And Russia proposed, now here's something that you know, practically nobody is aware of. In 2005, with the international health regulations, the WHO and all of the nations agreed to create an office within each nation's government. And that's called the National IHR Focal Point. So every nation has that office. Um, ours is part of the Health and Human Services Department. That's when I think the WHO infiltrated everyone's government because that office is obligated to surveil the health situation in each nation and report directly to the WHO if there's an outbreak of polio or SARS or you know whatever it might be. And, and also if there's an increase in any kind of disease or death. Russia proposed an amendment that says each nation would have to empower, enact legislation to authorize that government office to implement all of the other aspects of the amendments. And so the problem is always going to be local. It's not that the WHO or, or the Director General Tedros is going to have you know, their WHO army you know, come and, and enforce this. It's going to be implemented by the very same people who did to us the things that they attempted to do to us over the last four years. It, it's your local city council, your school board, your mayor, your county health commissioner. You know, if it's in Canada, it's some provincial, you know, office or whatever it might be. It's the local people who feel that they have authority over you and your body. And until individual people stiffen their spine and say, no, 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 wait a minute. I know what my rights are. I know where your authority ends and it ends at my body. You do not have any authority anywhere to tell me that I have to do something to my body. And the, the thing that each individual person can and I think you know, must do is just be very clear in your understanding of what your rights are and what the limits of government officials' authority is. Now, they like to say, oh, it's an emergency, so we can do whatever the heck we want to you. Well, that's, you know, if you just think about what the word unalienable means, if you understand what your unalienable rights are, it means that they cannot be taken away period, right? And, and so if you allow yourself to be confused by somebody who claims to have the authority to tell you what you have to do to your body, um, if they coerce you, if they play some mental head game on you and they get you and they, they, they convince you to voluntarily allow them to do something, they feel that, oh, I, I didn't make you do it. You know, they messed with your head to the point where you gave in, and then they feel that they get to say, well, you know, we didn't make you do it. They coerced you. They threatened your job. They told you you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do the other thing. But for the people who stood up and, and said no, um, you're seeing them win their court cases. You're seeing them you know, be proven to be correct. You're seeing the facts that people stood up for 
two, three years ago are, are being proven to be true. But you know, the fear that they engender and the attempt to make people feel guilty, oh, you've got to get jabbed because you don't want to get granny sick or whatever it might be. Those head games are what we have to become stronger against. The war is in your mind. And, and the, the one thing that everybody can do is strengthen your resolve to get to the facts. And most importantly, you know, pull out the United States Constitution and do a word search for the word health. And you'll see that the federal government has no control over health. The word doesn't even appear in the Constitution. Javier Becerra, who is the Secretary of Health and Human Services, about three months ago, he was being interviewed. And they asked him, you know, what would you like Americans to know about the Department of Health and Human Services? And the first thing he said was, people need to know that the federal government does not have authority over health care. That's an individual person's realm. And until you recognize that nobody in the federal government can tell you what to do with your body, and really, quite frankly, the same thing on a state level, you have you know, bodily autonomy. No one can make you do anything unless you believe that they have such authority. And it's a false belief. And I'm really strongly with your opinion with that and your your determination, because even for me, you know, so what if World Health Organization is so big? So what if they're doing all this negotiation? I didn't sign for that. You're not negotiating for me. And so, in fact, it seems like, I don't know, it seems like I, we, we need to really cut our relationship with whole World Health Organization and do our own own um work you know really understanding i don't want to call it as a world health but you know our own health forum just like we have a conversation in the communities because then we go because what you were saying is we go back again to what are the reasons that we have that underlying uh, underlying reason for our fear why are we fearful for such organizations like they have an authority over us mm -hmm. so and you know well, whether whether someone is um you know a, a believer in the history of man as found in the bible where you know six thousand years or so or or whether you believe you know men have been on the planet for hundreds of thousands or millions of years up until the 1940s um we all were doing pretty good without the world health organization Okay. And so they've had 75 years and things have not gotten better. Okay. Um, you know, the misinformation that they put out there, you know, if it wasn't so sick, it would be entertaining. Tedros Ghebreyesus tweeted a couple of days ago that climate change is causing diabetes, cancer, and heart disease rates to go up. Now, you know, maybe he's got a study somewhere that you know put people in a study where they raised the temperature one degree and wow you know the rates of heart disease went up um but he's just lying it's just a lie and if people can't see that that's a lie that climate change is increasing the rates of diabetes 
heart disease, you know, cancer and other diseases, how can you believe anything they say when they can be so bold as to tell a lie like that? It's astonishing that people even give them the time of day and listen to them. But yet, you know, they have a budget of almost $4 billion and they put out this propaganda while they're saying they, you know, one of the articles in the um, latest document is, is talking about misinformation. So one of the um, things that I would like people to consider investigating is look at the laws that are on the books in various places about misinformation, because what we all need to do is take those laws and apply them against the government officials who are the biggest purveyors of that misinformation. I mean, Tedros Ghebreyesus is the director general of the World Health Organization, and he publicly tweeted that climate change is causing heart disease, diabetes, and cancer rates to increase. Okay? He should be held account for that lie. That is a lie. And if you're allowed to put that kind of misinformation out there from an official source like the WHO, do you need to know any more about what their intent is? They are the source of the infodemic that they are trying you know, to blame on people like us. You know, I, I think they've nicknamed what I do and what I think you folks do. We give missing information. Right? It's the information they don't want anybody to see, but they've given it a nickname. They call it misinformation. Right? It's just the I like, missing information. I like that. Missing information. Yeah, That's I mean, true. As Dr. And Dr. McCullough and other critical thinkers would say there's no such thing as misinformation. It's all just lack of information. There's still information, but there's but missing information. I like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's I'm sure Carl has more more to say about this one because we've been having conversations with uh, glow, uh, those experts, real experts in climate change. So, Carl, add some more. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to. I, I understand what you're saying uh, with having to look at all these amendments and you know what's what's eventually going to bubble up to the top uh, that becomes. Uh, mandatory or whatever, or that we have to listen to, or that we get threatened by. Um, so, do you do you see a, a course other than I, I understand when you have a big organization uh, and and they want control and distribution of power and the pharmaceutical and all that? But do you see any particular veins coming to the top as to what who wants to achieve, or is it achieving what it wants to right now? Well. Let me question the question, okay? Because the soap opera nature of what's going on here is it's not just that the WHO wants what the WHO wants. That, that's you know for certain. But when you realize that there's 194 member nations, two other nations that are party to the regulations, and there's these 400 plus relevant stakeholders, you realize that it, it, it's being tugged in many, many, many different directions. And, and so if you can put yourself into the shoes of any one of the cast of characters, okay, 
if you put yourself into the shoes of the delegate from Bangladesh, okay, you're going to see this elephant differently than if you put yourself in the shoes of one of the European nations delegations. Okay, the European Union has said that all European nations must go along with what the European Commission says. So right there in Europe, you know, each individual nation is dealing with this whole other level of bureaucracy. You know, we've had that since our inception in the United States. Every state has authority, but yet it's the federal government that is negotiating. Well, wait a minute, you know, the 27 nations in Europe all get a vote at the WHO. How come we don't send a delegate from each of the 50 states? Well, you know, that's just not how it's structured. But people need to realize that every nation at the WHO gets one vote. So China and India, with a billion and a half people, they get one vote. The United States, Nigeria, Indonesia, you know, Germany, UK, you know, Brazil, nations with hundreds of millions of people, they get one vote. But the little tiny, you know, island nations in the Caribbean or the South Pacific or, you know, relatively poor nations in Africa, they all get one vote. And, and so at some point, you know, what may happen is the majority of the smaller nations come together and they realize, well, wait a minute, we can come together and we can say this is what we want. And in regards to the amendments, they could tell the WHO and the working group, you know, you guys aren't listening to us. Here's what we want. And if they get a simple majority together, they could, they could dictate to the world what they want just through a simple majority with a substantial minority of people. Now, when you realize that, you realize that there's something deeply flawed with the World Health Organization. Now, I'm not a proponent of, you know, China or India or the United States or, you know, highly populated nations dominating it. But if you just look at how our federal government is structured, the Senate, you know, each, each state gets the same amount of votes, but more populated states like California, Texas, Florida, New York, and so forth, in the House of Representatives, they're proportionally represented. And, and so, one of the things that I think the vast majority of people in America are unaware of is that argument within these negotiations between the negotiations were started because the poor nations said, hey, um, you're not giving us enough of these jabs. And the wealthy nations were in control and the the argument that's going on right now is that the poor nations have been submitting their proposals, but the WHO and the bureaucracy is actually under the control of the European Union and the United States and other nations. And so even though these nations are submitting what they want, it's not getting into the documents. And so this soap opera nature of what's going on is really interesting because they are having a difficult time reaching agreement. Back in, um, well, it's already November, so actually a month ago today, um, October 2nd, um, at the working group for the amendments meeting, the co-chair, 
um, Dr. Abdullah Asiri from Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, started off the meeting by saying, you know what, we just have to report. We don't think we're going to meet our deadline because they're not reaching agreement. And, and so I'm very optimistic that the negotiations are having a difficult time because it's not just that the WHO wants what they want. Obviously, they do. And they're guiding this process. They're controlling this process. And they're rewriting what the many nations say they want to serve their masters because their masters are the ones who give them money. And, and so, you know, I, I encourage people to tune in because um, it, it, is, it is literally a soap opera. There's hundreds of characters that are participating. They all want what they want. The United States and the European Union and whoever donates money is really who's controlling the process. And what the poor nations want is access to intellectual property that the pharmaceutical companies do not want to give them. And, and so it's a, it's a battle royale. And, you know, I, I think it's not going well for any of the parties. And, and I, I'm hopeful that um, the world wakes up in time to realize that pharmacy and jabs are killing people. Why are they trying to negotiate building out the industry to make more of that and giving it billions of dollars that are outside of our control? That bigger issue is not being discussed. They're not talking about the whole nature of these negotiations being deeply flawed because they're just trying to finance this murderous industry that you know I oppose with every fiber of my being. Do you think that um, something like another pandemic or some global catastrophe uh, would accelerate everybody in the negotiations or, or bias in the way so they could get things done? Um, I, I, I try not to um, get into, uh, go on to speculation island, okay? Um, I think they're having problems, rightfully so, because the premise of what they're discussing is completely and deeply flawed. They're arguing over how to distribute biological weapons. And until somebody walks into the room and says, what are you people doing here? Don't you know that these jabs and these drugs are killing people? Why are you trying to fund more you know, of that industrial sector to do the fake testing and the genomic sequencing and, and the manufacturing of drugs and jabs that damage people's immune systems? What are you doing? You're out of your mind. This is the wrong discussion. And if you insist on continuing this discussion, we need to dissolve your entire organization because that has nothing to do with health. Quite frankly, that's murder. And you know, some people refer to the WHO as the you know, World Holocaust Organization or the World Homicide Organization. They're negotiating what is essentially um, you know, a biological weapons treaty. They want to facilitate going around the world looking everywhere they possibly can to find new pathogens with pandemic potential 
sequence their genomes, bring them into a laboratory, and make drugs and jabs to treat problems that maybe only have the potential if that dual-use research of concern goes bad and somebody turns these new pathogens into a biological weapon, then you'll have the medical countermeasure to protect people from it. What we need is you know, to dissolve that industry, but they're trying to build it out by an order of magnitude. And until people see what's really going on, um, but the, the people who are negotiating you know, in these rooms, all they see are dollar signs. All they see is, well, they're going to be giving up a whole bunch of money. And so we need to get our piece of the pie and, and have, have that industry built in our nation so our people get good jobs and, and we can control our own future. To do what? To, to poison more people? I mean, the insanity is beyond belief. Yeah, I got it. It's, 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 it's flawed right from the... Uh... From what they're paddling and and yeah so there's nothing it just seems like a big boondoggle where everybody gets together and tries to get a bit of funding yeah and tries to make something worth and employ themselves but um it's a the, huge the latest the latest document that's in the title of our meeting here you know the um, negotiating text of the um now they call it pandemic agreement I encourage people to read chapter three because chapter three talks about setting up a new bureaucracy, the conference of the parties, and giving them the authority to write protocols at yearly meetings. They could meet more often if they wanted to, but you know, they want to throw billions of dollars at this so that they write the protocols and the the parallel, the analogy, the the, the similarities between the framework convention for climate change that was adopted by the UN in 1992, if you think that's working out great, you know, having a conference of the parties meet every year to come up with crazy ideas to force upon the population, if you think that's working out great for climate change, um, then you might be for doing that for pandemic prevention. But they're negotiating a system that would go out into the world to seek out new pathogens with pandemic potential, bring them into a WHO-led laboratory network, exchange intellectual property so that if a nation found a pathogen, they would give access to that pathogen physically and or just the purported genomic sequence of it in return for benefits. And then the WHO would insist that any manufacturers would give 20% of whatever they produce to then be distributed to the nations as a benefit because they shared the information about this newfound pathogen with pandemic potential. That's not how you would stop the next pandemic. That's how you would create it. And so what they're really doing is negotiating a pandemic creation business model. And even the um, health minister at the um, G, I'm sorry, the B20 in 2022, the business meeting that was held in Bali, he was talking about just a small subset of this, the pandemic fund that is organized by the World Bank and mostly funded by um, the United States Defense Department. 
they put forth a billion dollars through the National Defense Authorization Act to fund this World Bank pandemic fund. And when it was announced, uh, the Indonesian health minister said to all the business leaders in Bali, they've got billions of dollars for this pandemic industry. Go invest. This is a great business opportunity. So if you're you know, making equipment for laboratories and testing and genomic sequencing and you know, pharmaceutical companies to make jabs or manufacturing plants to manufacture them, um, that's a growth industry because they want to grow it. And once people realize that, I mean, everybody goes, well, that's crazy, right? So I put together the People's Declaration. So if you go to thepeoplesdeclaration.com, and it's just an article on, on my Substack, um, it, it essentially says it's what they're not negotiating that needs to be negotiated. We need to have a treaty to end gain-of-function research. We need to stop these mRNA jabs. They're poison. And they're trying to build out the very thing. They're going in exactly the opposite direction of where any you know, well-informed, sane person would say makes sense. Because the lessons that they've learned are that, hey, we made a lot of money doing this. Um, we just missed a certain segment of the population because they didn't have the infrastructure in Africa or you know, um, the West Indies or the Caribbean or, or wherever. Um, they, they just... They want to build out the industry that they've used to abuse people for the last four years. So I'll jump in. First of all, I'll apologize because we, we didn't realize the times changed. So we usually do at six. So nice to meet you, James. Nice to and, meet you too, right? And basically, if there's any question that I have asked that's been addressed, I want to respect the listeners as well that you can just tell me that you've covered it already. So I just would like to know off the bat, like, with the different countries, is there any that are against the World Health Organization? Um, you know, we'll we'll get to see um, if any nations have the guts to push back, um, because one of the things that we haven't talked about, and so I'll talk about it now since you raised that question, is last year in 2022, amendments to the international health regulations were adopted. And most people are just completely unaware of this. Nobody, and you know, if, if there's an exception and the person reaches out to me, you know, please forgive me for, for not being aware of it. Um, Andrew Bridgen has spoken a little bit around this topic, but to my knowledge, not a single member of the media, not a single member of any government, any parliament, any Congress, any Senate, anywhere has spoken out in opposition to the amendments that were adopted on May 27th, 2022. To, to give you some background on that, but to answer your question directly first, the deadline to reject those amendments is December 1st. And so on December 2nd, we will see if any nations have the guts to say, well, wait a minute, um, we reject those amendments because the process is not what people think it is. The process is such that when they amend the international health regulations at their World Health Assembly, it is assumed that all of the nations are fine with that unless the head of state of any of those nations just writes a letter to the WHO and says, we reject those amendments for our nation. 
there's an 18 month period to do that. We've already wasted 17 months and nobody has said a word. Okay. And if they go until December 1st and they don't simply write a letter, um, it's too late. You missed your chance. It's kind of like if you buy something in a store and you have a 30 day return policy and then you come back two months later, they say, Hey, you know, you're too late. And, and so in September at the United Nations, there were a number of political declarations that they had proposed at the UN. And on the last day, on Sunday the 17th, before all these meetings were to begin, uh, 17th of September, 11 nations sent such a letter to the United Nations and they said, nope, we don't agree. And so I'm hopeful that those same 11 nations, and I've heard rumblings from some other nations, we shall see, all they have to do is write a letter to the WHO. And I, I already wrote such a letter. Um, people can go to rejecttheamendments.com and send a letter. It's already pre-written. You just got to print it out, sign it, and mail it um, to your member of Congress, to your senators, to your uh, to the President Biden, and to Tedros, and say, I reject these amendments. Now, what Biden was trying to do was to shorten the time period by which this next round of amendments would be implemented. There's currently, there's a 24 month period between adoption and it becoming legally binding. He wanted to shorten that down to six months. And, and, and so there's hundreds of changes being made. And last year he tried to get them to shorten it down to six months. Now that amendment isn't going to change anyone's life. It isn't going to save any life. It isn't going to improve anybody's health. They were trying to set the stage to ram through the next batch of amendments. And six months from next May would be December 1st of next year, 2025. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, 2024. And, and so Biden would still be in office. So he wanted to try to change the rules so that he would still be in office, he could run out the clock, and it would just be too late. And, and so that didn't go well for him. And last year, that got negotiated out to 10 months to be rejected and 12 months to go into effect. But it drives home the point that none of these amendments came back to the Senate to be discussed. Nobody asked the Senate for their advice and consent and nobody is going to. The entire structure of how this operates, it was created in 1969. And the meeting that did that was at the very same time that supposedly men were landing on the moon. So 54 years ago, they created a structure where they said, oh, if these unelected, unaccountable, unknown bureaucrats get together and have a meeting and decide to change international law, um, the House and the Senate and parliaments around the world, you guys don't have anything to say about it. Now, if you're okay with that, then you have to accept that we lost our representative democracy back in 1969 when Richard Nixon was the president. And in 54 years, you know, maybe I'm the first person to say, wait a minute, that's the problem. The international health regulations that were adopted in 1969 that 
took away any authority from any legislative body and the people, that needs to be eliminated. That is the cause of the problem. You can't just change the rules without the consent of the people. But that's the situation we've been living under for 54 years. And I mean, I personally don't believe in voting because I've never seen any politician or you know president of any country doing anything that benefits. So I believe that if you actually vote for him, you're actually saying, hey, I'm giving you my you know power. Have you looked at kind of the sovereignty UCC aspect of this? Because even during the pandemic, when they were pushing all this, like with a mandate, you have to actually, if you go by Black Law's dictionary, you know, you have to say, "Where show me my signature for this. So you can stand in your own. And like the reason I say this is because I've got like courts to back off. I've got bailiffs to back off. I've got detectives to back off. I've realized that this is all trickery and that even all the countries, their corporations and like, yeah, they're pushing this thing and we think, okay, we have to accept it. But is it, have you or anybody that you see that's fighting this kind of gone down that route? I'm, you, because of the time change, you missed a, a portion of what I was saying. I just on the surface from what you've said, I probably could not agree with you more. Right. Um, I'm aware of the types of things that you're talking about. And one of the pieces of the discussions that we had earlier was that individual people have to understand how to stand in their own authority and defend their own unalienable rights. You mentioned a couple of things that I didn't mention which is a lot of times people try to argue constitutional rights when they're actually engaged in commercial activity. And so the average person has never been properly um, educated and is unaware, and, and they end up arguing the wrong arguments, finding themselves in a court that has no jurisdiction over them, using the wrong language, and, and they wonder why it's so frustrating. Um, you know, by all means, you know, talk about what it, it sounds like, you know, you've been working on. I, I very much agree that individual people, when their rights and freedoms are infringed upon, or they forget that they're dealing with commercial code, and it's just a negotiation. And, and when you realize that if someone is using very coercive language, and they're making you an offer well you can refuse it and you can throw that back upon them and you know the 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 ideas that you're talking about is a is an education that everybody on the planet needs to get because we don't get that education in school yeah, absolutely and just for those that might know much about it usually when they're sending people the letters they don't sign it or it's a digital so you have to say i want the wedding signature by a person and they won't do that so you kind of get away and, and then also ask them show to me that you can prove you've the rights over me they can't do that either and as long as everybody done that then they'd all disappear overnight right and it's an educational um task that um you know by all means, after we have this meeting, let's get together and, and, and join forces, you know, moving forward, because we see these large organizations and ultimately what they do is they delegate their dirty work to people all around the world who are our friends and neighbors. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, school boards and city councils and county commissioners and provincial, you know, overlords, whatever they're their title may be. And those people have a, a certain 
sense of authority that is beyond their legal authority. And so they get all of these little minions to do their dirty work. And it's only going to stop when individual people realize that you know, they need to know how to protect themselves from a local you know, neighbor, friend, family member, you know, local um, school board member, whatever it might be. When you have the knowledge that, Roy, you're, you're talking about, um, you realize that they, they disappear because once you turn that liability back on them and they realize that you know more than they do about you know, how to stop them from doing the things that they think they're able to do, um, they disappear like cockroaches when you walk into a room and turn the light on. Boom, they're gone, right? So there have been many, um, quote unquote, officials who have just chosen to resign because they realize that they're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and people are starting to wise up. And then you bring the challenge directly to them when they're faced with losing their financial world personally because they don't have authority and they can be held accountable on a personal basis. I think that might be some of the things that you're talking about. I'm sure you could talk yeah. more about it you know, ongoing. Um, they realize how wrong they are and how vulnerable they are. And the power actually really is with the people, but only if we know enough to win the game, because it is a head game. And if, if you believe what they say, you're going to lose. But if you understand that what they say is misguided, it's mis you know, it's it's misinformation, it's 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 lies, and and a lot of bluff and bluster, where they make it sound like you have to, and until you learn enough to know that you don't have to, um, they're going to win the battle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's kind of like psychological as well, because what happens is there's a lot of people that are having in-house fighting and they're just regurgitating the hatred that they have for what's going on. Like even this, oh, they're signing this, they're doing that. Instead of just putting their head down and realizing, what can I do that can actually make a difference to this? And I, right. it's as simple as that. And when you know your own power, this is how we'll stop it all. So right. I'm not sure what you've also covered, but I mean, has the World Health Organization ever done anything of benefit well you know that's a that's a trick question um and and so the answer is yes okay and that's part of how propaganda works you know they certainly show you this wonderful picture of all of the many many things and you know there are good people you know they almost got grace you know to sign up right and and so there's good people who get involved in these organizations with the intent of doing good work okay but you know ultimately you know is it good work to be so blindly focused on injecting everybody on the planet not just for covid but for everything else under the sun is it maybe better work to you know work with nature and realize that um, the injections that they're giving people are actually customer acquisition tools i've been in natural health long enough to realize that the testing, the drugs, the treatments and the therapies, and, and certainly the injections don't improve people's health. They take healthy people, trick them into applying these methods, which are essentially poisons, so that they become lifelong customers. It, it's astonishing to me, however many people it may be, 
who have gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven jabs, and now they're having health issues that most people would argue are due to the jabs deranging their immune system, and see, they go back to the very same system that inflicted that harm upon them, trying to get treatment for cancer or myocarditis or stroke or, or whatever it might be. And you know, it, it's going to your enemy who's trying to kill you because you believe they're trying to heal you. Now there's good people involved in all of this and they're confused, but once they wake up, they're faced with a loss of their entire life's work. You know, when, when people wake up, I just published an article about a, a, a friend of mine, um, Robert Yoho, he's a doctor who lives local to me. He was on my um, show, I know. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Um, you know, when you wake up to the fact that this whole system is broken, okay, and and but your life is invested in that. That is that is a trauma that you know so many people still need to go through. They still need to wake up and go. Well, wait a minute. Um, you're trying to kill me. I'm going to you to make me healthier, and you're prescribing poison, both in you know oral and injectable form. What am I doing here? I need to leave. I need to find somebody else. Well, that's blasphemy until you realize that it's truth. And if you if you think that your medical doctors and the system is there to do anything other than profit from your illness, I, I have a very simple question for people. Who do you know that profits when you are healthy? other than yourself and maybe your family, right? If your doctors or practitioners, if, if they profit by doing things to you when you're sick, and some of those things that they do make you sicker, um, when are you gonna wake up to the reality that you've been scammed? It's an enormous scam. It's probably five times the size of the military industrial complex. It's enormous in the Western developed world. And they realize that they have not made the inroads into the relatively poorer nations. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get public money to build out their industry in nations that can't afford their poison. Because they don't want to just poison you. They want to profit from the poisoning. And it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. But so many people are just absolutely blind to it. Uh, you know, the job that we have, you know, you're, you mentioned, you know, waking up people to the law and, and the different aspects of how law is designed to work against you unless you understand how to make it work for you. Um, same thing with, with health and medicine. The system is designed. I don't think they want to kill you. That, that makes money for the undertaker and the funeral director. They want to just take all of your money away and keep you in a state of subservience to them, dependent on them to go get prescriptions for more poison and more biological weapon jabs. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for the world to wake up to the fact that that system is deeply, deeply flawed. And we need to walk away from it and go back to more natural, healthy, you know, real um, ideas about what it means to be human and what it means to be healthy. And health is not found in a pharmacy. It just isn't.
I think the problem is a lot of people definitely in the last few years have kind of realized they've been hoodwinked, but we have to kind of massage the ego because the problem is now that they know it, a lot of people, and I'm talking about a high percentage of people, are embarrassed to go, I was actually wrong. I mean, even in my research in anything I do, if I find out something that is different to my previous beliefs, I go, okay, I can change because I, that's what I was fed. But unfortunately, a lot of people can't do that. And we have to try to find how to navigate that to make them, hey, there's nothing wrong with you having that belief system previously. Yeah, no, I mean, if someone points out an error in anything that I've done, you get to be one of my best buddies. Like, keep, keep telling me how I'm wrong. By all means, please do. Makes you a better person. And the, the stifling of that dynamic, okay, where someone who um, has an awareness of something that causes someone else to have to change their awareness, when that is stifled, um, that is, you know, probably the root of all kinds of trouble through history. But, you know, the truth always wins because it, it, it's endless. You know, it, it doesn't change. When, when you hear someone, and you may have missed this earlier, you know, Tedros Ghebreyesus, who is the director general of the World Health Organization, tweeted the other day that due to climate change, rates of heart disease and cancer and diabetes are, are rising. And, and, and you just go, how could anybody say such a blatantly obvious lie and be allowed to continue in his position. That's, you know, the director general of the World Health Organization blames increases in ailments that are very, you know, strongly argued being caused by the jabs, the elevations in heart problems and diabetes and immune dysfunction and, and cancer around the world are being caused by these pharmaceutical interventions and he's blaming climate change okay that that's criminal that's beyond i mean talk about disinformation and and so if people could just latch on to that and bring him down for being such a blatant liar but yet people just look the other way well i think what i've seen is in the few years, the last few years, is now there's a lot more that are not accepting this. So you can be sure if he has tweeted that, I mean, that's the first I've heard of it, but you can be sure if you actually look at the trade, there will be a lot of people abusing him because of that. And that in turn then will get a lot of momentum. So I think people think they can do nothing. But when you see somebody posting something like that, don't just accept it. Attack, as yeah. in not in a negative, but just say, hey, call, call bullshit when it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we might as well start a lie, you know, that the jabs um, are causing climate change. I mean, if you can make up stories, you, you might as well make up good ones. And, you know, that's one of the things they do. They tell lies that are so ridiculous that people are frozen and they go, oh, I can't believe you said that. But then they just keep moving on. And, and so, you know, across the board, um, we all have to speak our truth as we understand it to be. And, you know, be willing to suffer the slings and arrows. You know, if I say something that's wrong, I'll fess up to it in a heartbeat. But you want to get at the truth. I don't, I don't have to be right, but I want 
everyone to work towards what is right and true. And along the way, we'll make some mistakes. We'll get a few things wrong. Okay, fine, if you're willing to admit it. But when you are in power and you are coercing and forcing people based on information that is blatantly, immediately known to be a lie, you cannot be allowed to keep your position. And like, I hope you've maybe you've discussed this as well, but like, it's a conflict of interest that you've got Gates, you know, Gavi making, you know, invested in making the jabs and then involved with the World Health Organization as well. I mean, how is that? Just if you just look at that alone, right. that's corruption at its highest. Right. No, it, it, the, the problems go deep. And, you know, one of the things that we all need to do is to realize that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of healing modalities that various people around the world practice that, you know, I haven't been to a medical doctor since I was 19 years old. You don't need to go to the pharmacy and give money to the pharmaceutical industry. Now, there are some things like, you know, bioidentical hormones, you know, insulin, um, progesterone, things like that. Science can produce some amazingly beneficial and, and wonderful things to help people. But the vast majority of it, if you just look at it and you go, well, here are all of the effects that this poison causes. We've allowed people to be convinced that swallowing a poison that causes all kinds of disease is somehow the path from one disease towards health. You know, injecting unknown substances. Uh, I, I live in the Los Angeles area, and maybe this is a bad scenario to, to bring to mind, but there's a very rough part of town called Skid Row. And, you know, a lot of homelessness, crime, you know, drugs, and so forth. I honestly think people would be safer in the long run if they went down to Skid Row in the middle of the night, rolled up their shirt sleeve, and asked any random stranger to inject some unknown substance into their arm. I think you'd be better off doing that than going to the local pharmacy and having them inject you with uh, an unknown substance that could potentially change the genetic makeup of your children if it would if it would allow you to have children. Okay, the the harm and and damage that is being caused by the medical establishment is worse than what goes on at Skid Row, but people don't see it that way. And we honor, I mean, we spend trillions of dollars into that industry, honoring it while it's killing people. And, you know, how you get people to wake up to that, um, I, I think you start with identifying people who are already awake. Uh, if you've ever watched the movie, The Matrix, um, you don't have to give people a red pill. You can just ask anyone, what was the first red pill moment for you. And if they scratch their head going, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Just tell them to go watch the movie because if they don't even know and, and can't even grasp the concept that maybe some of the things you've been taught your whole life were lies. Okay. Pick whatever topic you want in history and what you think you know about it is probably wrong. If you've never had a red pill moment, 
okay? Um, you might want to talk to somebody else and start to organize people who, you know, maybe they woke up with some ancient history that was a lie or something from, you know, the world wars or from, you know, our current life situation. If somebody replies, oh, yeah, when I learned about that, I realized I was being lied to, then you have somebody who's capable of taking in new information and going, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I woke up a little bit. Then that type of person is likely to be able to wake up a little bit more. And, and my suggestion to people is, you know, give information to everyone. But if you just ask a simple question, what was your first red pill moment? If the person looks at you like they have no idea what in the world you're talking about, give them all the love in the world and share some information with them. Maybe you will give them their first red pill moment. Okay. Ask them a whole bunch of questions about what they believe. Um, they're just drinking the Kool-Aid. And they deserve our love. They deserve our help. But they're also going to, to suck a lot of energy out of you. And if you have it to give, by all means, give it. But I think it's better to identify people who are already awake and organize them. Because if you showed up at that same person's door with 10 friends to have a conversation about a given topic, um, that volume of support for the truth um, might have a better impact than if you're just going to sit there and argue with somebody who doesn't want to hear what you have to say. So you know, organizing and, and getting people together and then focusing on what it is you want to do, whether it's the WHO or central bank digital currency or you know, finances or law or you know, the military industrial complex, um, get better connected to people who uh, want something similar to what you want and work towards creating it off into the future. Because we have to, we have to know what we want um, not just what we don't want. Yeah, excellent. And just finally, before I pass it to Grace, like with the activism against the World Health Organization, because I know, unfortunately, they infiltrate a lot of things and they make it look like, hey, we're helping you, but it's really them. How can people know which ones are the, the right ones that will actually make some difference? Well, the only way anybody ever knows anything is to look inside your own heart and, and do what feels right for you. Um, in, in, in terms of the WHO, I, I honestly think that they're having difficulty. They're, they're postponing some of their deadlines. You know, there's dissent amongst everything. Job number one is to just know as much as you can about what's going on. And, and so um, spreading inaccurate information, I can't tell you how many people have sent me how many different videos and, and they asked me, is this true? Is this true? And, and so a lot of the um, alternative media is putting out inaccurate information. And so it is difficult to know. And, and so with any article that you read on any topic known to mankind, look through the article and see if you can find the actual source. It's been getting more and more difficult. You read articles on anything and, and the um, journalist, if you want to call them that, will say something like, Oh, sources have revealed, right? And it's like, well, one of the things I've been trying to do is just publish the actual documents. You know, I mean, it's a 30-page document. This is the latest version of their negotiating 
uh, agreement. Um, if you read the first chapter of it, sounds all lovely and wonderful. Okay. If you read chapter two, your your head's going to hurt. They're like, why are they trying to make more pandemics? And then you read chapter three and you realize what they really want is to set up a bureaucracy that makes decisions for you off into the future forever and give them tons of money. Um, don't take my word for it. Don't listen to anybody. Read the damn document. See for yourself what it says. Go to the source always. And, you know, on a higher level, go to source. Go to go to your belief in a creator and, and find out what's right for you. And whatever it is that, you know, you hear inside yourself that it's right for you, trust that. It's the only way. Excellent. Thank you very much, James. Pass you back to Grace. And back to Tedros, what would you say with his last comment saying, the world must never be the same? Like, what does it he really means by, you know, the world or same, what's wrong with the world or who's going to make it? Because they use this tagline and they repeat it and media repeats it. Yeah. Um, it. It's been pointed out to me that I have more than a forehead. I have maybe like a five or a six head. And and the, the frontal the frontal lobe is supposedly where you um, exercise your power of discernment. And so if you watch anything in the media and you go, oh, that's clearly a demonstrable fact. Okay, I, I've experienced it. I've, I've you know, I've, I've worked in that field, and and the thing that that person is saying, I agree with because I know that it's true. Versus somebody spewing propaganda. Okay, until people actually engage with the information that's coming in, and and they use that you know part of our mind that gets to go, that's bullshit. And that's bullshit, and that's bullshit, and that's bullshit. Why am I even listening to that? Get that out of my mind. They're lying. Well, when you hear somebody lie, you go, oh, well, they lied, obviously. Um, what else are they saying? And you put it through that filter of, well, they've lied before. Are they going to lie again? Is everything they're telling me a lie? Or, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. Maybe they mix a certain amount of truth in there. You have to be able to pick out this is true and this is true and that's true and that's confused and maybe they mean well but they're confused um we have to teach that to people and i don't think that's being taught in schools the the idea that you can question you know i i won't bore you with the details but i had a, an episode um in my own life when i was in fifth grade and my teacher said something to the class that was wrong, but they believed it to be true. It didn't make them a bad teacher, just made them wrong on that particular issue. And so in fifth grade, I think it was the first time I realized that I can't just let everything come in because my teachers, my mentors might be teaching me wrong things. And then when you go back and you look at your history books and you look at everything else, you go, oh my God, it was all wrong. Okay, what the heck is going on here? You, you learn about the law, you learn about health. You go, oh my goodness, so much of this is wrong. If you're not willing to question it, you're doomed. And here's one question from the audience. Um, he said, how 
How's Biden's administration tied to the World Health Organization? Um, how is the Biden administration tied to the World Health Organization? Well, in, in many ways, um, we sent 64 people in our delegation. Uh-oh, I think I may have frozen up here. Can you folks still hear me? We can still hear you, though. Okay. Um, well, maybe, maybe my video is just frozen for me. Um, they were um, the administration that first put forth the amendments to the international health regulations back on January 18th, 2022. They, I believe, were trying and continue to try to use the WHO to control aspects of what's going on in the world. I would encourage people to look into the United States Defense Department's global health security agenda. Um, I, you know, this is, this is going to be maybe a little bit of an overstatement on my part. So I'll scale it back down a little bit. Um, I think the United States uh, has created um, dozens, if not hundreds, of biological weapons research labs around the world. And were the biggest problem. Um, there were 36 um, biolabs in the Ukraine. And I reported on that back in February of 2022. And, and people are now just beginning to notice. Um, biological warfare is something that needs to be stopped. And most people aren't even you know, aware of the fact that that's really what we're dealing with. The pharmaceutical industry has been co-opted by the Defense Department to wage war on humanity. And while that might be seen by some as an overstatement, if it opens up your mind to everything going on is not what you think it is, um, then it'll be a good thing for you to investigate. And the uh, follow-up comment is, didn't Trump want to defund the World Health Organization? Um, Trump took that money and gave it to Gavi instead, which is a vaccine alliance. And to my knowledge at this point, still has not said a word in opposition uh, to the jabs that were created essentially by the Defense Department. Um, even uh, Alex Azar, who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, said, oh, no, the Health and Human Services Department were not in charge of warp speed. That was the Defense Department. And so um, one of the things that I've come to realize is that I'm more focused on trying to enlighten and organize people. And politicians are politicians, regardless of what party they may be in. We need to strengthen and organize people so that whoever is put in those positions of office realize that they work for us. And until that is reinvigorated, um, it doesn't matter who's in office if they think that they get to do whatever they want to do. Um, that's not how it's supposed to work. Um, our public servants are supposed to serve the will of the people, not the other way around. Um, we could still hear you, James, but if you want to quickly uh, adjust your camera, maybe uh, Roy suggesting to turn it on and off, it might you're still frozen to us and while you do that i just want to make a come uh, i i would i want to acknowledge the conversation that 
uh, our viewers, Arthur and John, uh, I, thank you for being part of our conversation, okay? Um, and you're, you're, you, you see, we, I encourage comments and conversation in, from the audience and you, you go ahead and do that because after this, other people can also read your comments because sometimes we cannot accommodate all of you to be with us. But anyway, um, I'm sure um, James is coming back. And and uh, please don't forget, uh, Roy uh, is from the Awakening podcast, and he has another um, a number of um, podcasts as well. Roy, you'd want to just quickly tell them so where they can get you, because you know you and I and Carl, we've been doing this for a lot many years. Yeah, so I've got like a speaking podcast, a meditation to help people chill in these stressful times, crypto podcast. And for all the Poles that moved abroad, a lot of them met partners. Uh, some people are trying to learn Polish. So I've got a Polish podcast as well. And you'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Yeah. And we do try our best to put up, put it up in so many other podcasts, I mean, platforms. All right. So today for the first time, I'm I'm streaming in Odyssey, and let's just see what happens. I'm all about exploring to help truth be known or spread the truth. And of course, our dear friend Carl is uh, he's also the author of uh, a book called Nature's Twist. So, you know, try that and look, look at that. You know, it's a good read. And just like you read a World Health Organization, you have to pay attention and read really thoroughly and stop now and then but that's how i look at i look at the world Health organization article um manifesto that's why i said it's boring because it could make you sleep i know you were scared or there's so many uh, you just just you, you it challenges your brain but so i'm we're, we're gonna wait for um james okay because he didn't really say goodbye yet however <laughs> earlier when we started roy he changed his um before we officially went on live we he start he changed his computer because he said let me change my computer so mine you could follow me at quantum nurse grace asagra so you know i do have a good online presence you press my name you find if you press quantum nurse you find it and i as i said earlier i tried to uh, uh, update so that you could continue to be connected with us and uh, while we're waiting maybe we could all the three of us can share our 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 you know maybe like the very first time that we think this world is crazy when they declared it because for me it's really like when they my my friend who's also a nurse said hey it's officially a pandemic and said world health declared it and i just look at her like and so, so, you know, like right away, it's like, so, you know, so th then the second feeling I had is I'm not scared because I know what I can do for my body. So basically, as, as our guest James was saying, you know, if you know what the, how to take care of your body, how your body operates to be healthy, then I think we, we can open up our mind and not be too scared or know us. Okay. So 
How about you, Carl, Roy? What's the very first feeling you had? <clears throat> I think it started when I was born. Uh, but uh, I, I, I suppose at a young age, I knew there was something amiss. Um, I think it was, maybe I was about 10 or 11 when I noticed there was a bunch of strikes in uh, in town. We, there was a garbage strike, there was a milk strike, there was an electricity strike, and maybe even a bank strike. I was in the 70s in Ireland. And I said, they're all working together to to for a bigger impact. And um, sorry, my light just went off there or something. Um, but how deep did it go is something that's ongoing. And uh, it seems to get deeper and deeper. Um, you know, and it seems to be everywhere. And it all it all seems to stem from, I suppose, from the way individuals carry themselves into the collective. Um, but I'm going off into a philosophical thing here. Um, yeah, probably when I was about 10 or 11. Um, but then the year 2000, um, that's when things got uh, much uh, more serious. Uh, and I began to probe deeper. Roy, what about you? I think it was um, definitely when I was younger, when they were pushing religion down your throat. And I, even individuals that were kind of pretending they were religious, and you'd see they were the ones that were the thieves or they were having the affairs. And then when you saw the abuse that was going on, because I mean, even at a young age, we could see that it was abuse and they'd move the abusing priest to a different parish. And you were like, mm, what's going on here? And then later on the medical side of things, because I, I could see a lot of stuff going on with that. And ever since then, it's just like layer by layer. At one stage, I actually thought the government did your best tarp because like we the Celtic tiger. I thought, oh, things are getting better. These are looking after us. And then, then you realize why they were getting better. So no. I question everything and I even look back and I look at the education system and I see that, you know, they were making us put our finger up to our mouth, fold our arms and just kind of sit there and even just talking to like friends recently, like he was saying he was tied to a chair at a young age, like seven or six or something like that. And they gagged his mouth. Like we just accepted that. Whereas if they'd done that to your children today, you would go in and knock them out. But like, I think you have to just start reflecting on your life as you go along. And then you might kind of wake up a little bit and go, hey, was this normal? Or was I being conditioned to work in a corporation to be a slave all my life? And then you kind of look at the taxing system and realize, do, is this kind of voluntary or do I have a choice? And homelessness, like that's something that I'm constantly looking at. It's like, yeah, they have all these organizations trying to help the homeless, but who's making them homeless? <laughs> who's actually depressing them that they're you know that they're charging them for, like even now all the electricity all the gas all the bills that people can't afford they get depressed they just go on drugs they go on alcohol they can't pay their bills and they're kicked out and they're saying oh they didn't get it they were on drugs or something like that but the whole lot is orchestrated and if you give people dignity and just help everything could be resolved and it's all orchestrated from the top yeah so definitely i'm sure each and every one of our viewers and and even those who haven't even known that we're doing this have their own moments of uh, awakening and we just have to continue to do our own work and, and thank you again
Um, so I just got in touch with um, James. He said his internet just went bunkered. So I, that happens too. And that's why all of us should just pick pick it up from wherever. But the bottom line from what this conversation is, and Roy and James emphasized it, that it's really knowing what's really like knowing about our own sovereignty, right? Roy, you said that and that's important. No, knowing that and knowing what we have, because it's it feels so doomed, it looks doomed, but we could really say no. So sometimes when people post something for me and say this is their plan, I said, no, that's their plan, but that's not my plan, or that's not, I'm not going to be in that plan. So you always and the power of words, you say, I choose. Yes, I like what um was that Arthur? Anyway, yeah, you said like, you know, that he's envisioning something different from what the singularity of world health wants us to be under one control, one health or whatever they call it. But he's envisioning it that the plan will not, they won't be part of the hope of his vision. Okay. So, yeah. So we just can- finally, Grace, because like we, what I'm actually giving me hope is because like, we've had BB Backus, who I find fantastic, and I've actually had her on myself recently. And we've had like Peter Stone, Peter Wilson talking about either common law or sovereignty. But when she was on my show recently, she was like saying that you know all the land is owned by the the UK, which I believe it is. And she was even giving me documentation showing that the Queen had given priest Prince William Canada. And recently, DeSantis, because of the wokeism and all this kind of pushing agenda with Disney, DeSantis was trying to actually say, hey, you're not getting away with all these uh, grants and everything. And the documentation that I've seen coming through is uh, the land is owned by the crown. So they're escaping it from that. So just when you see little things connecting up, you go, people will say something. So when she said that, I'm sure loads of people said, oh, she's nuts. That can't be right. But when you see something like that, them escaping their tax and they're saying, hey, ye, we, we're, our land is owned by the crown, then maybe you can start putting two and two together. So just don't accept anything. Question everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And for again, let me put the information for James, okay? And that's his phone number and that's his, his Skype. And I have this also posted because he wants you to get it, you know, anyone who wants to get in touch with him okay and so feel free don't forget we only continue because you're also involved with us and you can continue to reach out to any of us roy grace and carl and have a good one (laughs) take it easy it will be in bitchute rumble because earlier someone texted me roy said Hey, are you are you doing it in Facebook or sometimes some something is off? A rumble is also acting up. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me so it's rumble, and I'm playing with uh, Odyssey and uh, Twitter and also in LinkedIn. LinkedIn is also kind of funny and but anyway, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, James. Sorry you couldn't come back right now but be back next time and roy maybe we could have bb backles back because that's crucial that's ucc take care all right thanks guys take care bye 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 thanks